This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. If you don't ask for forgiveness, if they don't know that you need forgiveness, they'll grow up thinking that they don't need forgiveness. It's the humility of the parents before the children in order that the children can be obedient to that lifestyle. It's in that Christian home that they should learn the truth of God's Word from the lips and the lives of parents. Don't ever be the ones that say, do as I say, not as I do. In our last teaching, we saw the relationship guidelines for men and women as husbands and wives. As we continue, we move on into parent-child relationships. We know that children are to obey their parents. Pastor David talks about the biblical guidelines for parents. We need to show our children grace, humility, and forgiveness. Our example while in the home will teach them how to act when grown. Letting them fail and teaching them to handle it is also good for their growth. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 1, with our continuing study entitled, The Divine Order. We continue on in this section of Ephesians in chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Now, as we begin this section of uh, Ephesians, or as we began it, we spoke about how in verse 21, where he says this idea of each of us submitting to one another, and I brought out the idea that this entire section, dealing with husbands and wives, children and parents, servants and masters, all deals with the order of God's kingdom, and we want to bear that in mind as we continue the study that in the midst of chaos, God comes and he brings order. And we saw that in, in many different ways. We see it at the, again, at the, at the creation where out of the void, out of the nothing, God creates order in the formation of Israel as a nation, in the formation of, again, the tabernacle and the temple and every aspect of it, in the formation and the execution of the worship of Israel. God had order. God had precision. He had reason for each one of these things. Uh, In the formation of the church and their leadership, God was bringing order out of chaos. And even in the worship of the church, and we shared how Paul brings uh, a very uh, pointed message to the church of Corinth, who was way out of order. And in chapter 14 of uh, First Corinthians, Paul says, man, you guys are out of order in your worship. Your worship needs to, again, incorporate these things. Our God is a God of order, not chaos. And that's the thing we want to continue to bear in mind. Here in Ephesians, the last portion of chapter 5, the beginning portion of chapter 6, God lays out the foundations of our relationships, our relationships in marriage, the relationships coming this morning of, of children and parents, the relationships outside the home that move into society as he speaks again of servants and masters. Again, they're all relationships of order. They're not relationships relationships of chaos. I shared with you last week also how, yeah, we, could, we can buck God's plan. We can go against God's design. We can try to avoid it in every way possible. We can say that it's not valid for today's enlightened society. But when we do that, we run the very real risk of bringing the great chaos of the world into our homes. 
because we stand against what God has called for in order. So again, we look at this whole section. We see this pattern of submission that's shown in those following verses. Remember back in verse 5, or chapter 5, verse 22, when it says, Wives, submit to your husbands. Now in chapter 6, verse 1, Children, to obey your parents. Chapter 6, verse 5, again, bond servants, be obedient to your masters. A clear call to order. And again, with a, with a differing command on that opposite group, God speaks to the husbands in chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. That idea of sacrificial love. Fathers, in, in chapter 6, verse 4, fathers and in essence parents, don't provoke your children. Bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And a little bit further down in chapter 6, in verse 9, he says, Masters, treat your servants well, knowing that your own master also is in heaven. And as I shared this whole passage as we began it, again, that declaration of order in a world that is totally out of order. We as Christians, more than anyone else, ought to be an example to the world around us of what peace looks like, of what order looks like. Not a forced peace, not a forced order, but it's an order and a peace that comes from within. As we follow God's command, but we have a heart and a desire to live our lives to His glory. As we move on in this passage, today we're going to look at that relationship of children and, and parents, as well as servants and, and masters. And we're going to begin with Ephesians chapter 6, looking at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. A very simple declaration that he makes right here. Following the same pattern that he established with the, the wife and, and husband relationship, the same pattern he'll use again in the servant and master relationship, here Paul develops the case of the less responsible and then moves on to the more responsible. And you need to understand, again, even as we shared last week, it's not about the equality of the person, one being above or below the other one. It's about a pattern of order and also all of our responsibility before God. Children, obey your parents. Here's that clear, clear directive for obedience to those children. The children primarily, the ones that remain in the home, those that remain under the care and under the protection of the parents. Basically speaking about those children that are not of age yet. Even the word that uh, Paul uses here that's translated as children is the word technon, and that word covers those who are young, beyond the infant stage, but yet not uh, so old that they are outside of the home. These are the ones that continually receive all that's necessary from their parents, all that's necessary for life, food, clothing, and shelter, those necessities given to them. And I don't care what your child says, parents, an Xbox 360 is not necessary for life, okay? They will not die if they do not have one. And assorted other things that maybe you're being hounded on. I used to think that it was attributed to Mark Twain, but I tried to find the quote, and I could not find it attributed to him. So let me just say, someone at some time in the past has said, in reference to raising children, that when your children get to be about 12 or 13 years of age, 
lock them in a pickle barrel, and feed them through the knot hole. And then when they get to be about 16 to 18 years of age, plug the knot hole. Well, maybe that's not the best advice for raising children, but if, if, if you've got any problem children at home, you know exactly where they're coming from. Paul writes, obey your parents in the Lord. And I, I, I believe that we can understand from that that he's speaking to the Christian home, where at least one or hopefully both of the parents are believers. It's this type of home where these young children, these young ones, are able to experience love and concern for their physical, for their emotional, and particularly for their spiritual well-being. It's in this home where they'll begin to understand the, the meaning of community and their responsibility within it as they work within the family unit. It's in this kind of home where they'll, in essence, learn the meaning of life, and they'll begin to find their place in all of society as they learn correctly within a correct home structure. The Christian home becomes a, a microcosm of, of God's kingdom in the, in the midst of the chaos of the society that surrounds them. These children will learn responsibility. They'll learn care for others beyond themselves. It's in this type of home where they learn their personal responsibility of establishing and maintaining order in their own lives, being able to gain this peace and personal restraint, yeah, even in the midst of chaos. Parents, that's your responsibility to bring that child up in that way and to help them to be able to gain those things. It's in the Christian home where children learn right from wrong and they begin to establish their own personal moral code. It's here where God becomes their God, not the God of their fathers. You see, for too many children, their spiritual relationship is totally dependent upon the parents. And then once they move out of the home, they don't know what it is to have a relationship with Christ. Parents, it's our responsibility not only to show that uh, by example to the children, but to encourage them in their own growth in the Lord. It's the Christian home where they learn respect and commitment. It's the Christian home where they experience and they learn the lessons of love and forgiveness and, yeah, even grace. You realize that as a parent, you need to understand that when you're wrong in dealing with your children, you need to, as they say, you need to man up to it. Or, ladies, you need a woman up to it, I guess. Admitting that, honey, I, I was wrong in that. I, I dealt with that in the wrong way. And I ask your forgiveness. And even they, even at that point, to draw that child, would you pray with me for that? Because mom has a real hard time with that, or dad has a real hard time with that. Would you continue to pray with me? Would you forgive me? Because, you know, if you don't ask for forgiveness, if they don't know that you need forgiveness, they'll grow up thinking that they don't need forgiveness. It's the humility of the parents before the children in order that the children can be obedient to that lifestyle. It's in that Christian home that they should learn the truth of God's word from the lips and the lives of parents. Don't ever be the ones that say, do as I say, not as I do. You don't even have to verbalize that. They'll see it in your life. It's in this portion, this kind of home, that these little ones 
again, by, by God's charge, they've been, again, placed under the responsibility of their parents. They've been placed under the responsibility of their parents, again, to prepare them for the world, but more importantly, to prepare those young ones for eternity. And that's an awesome responsibility that you and I have as, as fathers and as parents in general. For the child, in, in, in order to gain all that the Christian home has to offer then, there must be obedience to the parents. There must be obedience to the parents. Again, Paul says, for this is right. Parents' disobedience should never be tolerated within the home. Never thought as, as cute. You know, the cuteness of a, of a little four or a five year old that puts their hands on their hips and throws back their head and tells mom or dad, no, suddenly isn't so cute when they're 14 or 15. And parents, if you don't get that under control when they're young, if you don't teach them obedience at that young age, believe me, you will have a handful by the time that child begins to reach adolescence, by the time they reach into their teen years. You'll be looking for a pickle barrel. It's not that the parents are always right either, and I understand that. There's no doubt that I'm speaking of an ideal home. There's lots of mistakes I made, we made, as we raised our children. And even in studying this this week, you know, once again, some of those memories of some of those mistakes came back again. But God is a God of grace, and he, again, will, will work and move within the hearts and lives of parents who are willing to admit those things. For the child, though, obedience is the right thing to do before the Lord. And again, it honors the Lord. To further enforce this, this direction to the children, Paul incorporates the fifth commandment. There in verse 2, he says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. This commandment supersedes all that, that Paul is saying. It, it came well before what Paul speaks. And it speaks of more than just the underage child at home. I believe that this commandment speaks to all children of all ages, even adult children, again, in the response of how our parents should be treated. Even at 60 years old, I need to honor my mother. I need to honor my father, again, because that's God's word to me. And that's my responsibility as a child. And are my parents always right? Well, my mom's not here this morning, so I can say, no, they weren't always right. Okay, But that doesn't lessen my responsibility to honor them. You might try to speak about exceptions, but Paul doesn't give us any exceptions. He says, honor your parents. As a matter of fact, he reminds us that all of this is part of that revealed will of God. It's one of the Ten Commandments. To honor our parents is even a higher degree than it is to obey them. And God calls for us both to obey and to honor. And again, although obedience ought to be carried out with a, the, a heart of respect, a, a heart of honor, that call of honor is more than action. It's more than outside and external ways. It, honor your parents. It really needs to come from the very depth of a child's being, that they honor them in that way. 
with all of this comes that promise that it might be well with you and you might live long on the earth. And again, please be reminded that this is a, a, a spiritual principle. It's not a spiritual rule without exception. This is a general declaration given to those, uh, again, who would live a life, a life of obedience and a life of honor. For them, most all of life will be easier as we live that kind of life, beginning as a child. If I'm a child and I grow up in obedience and I grow up with honor and I grow up with that kind of a heart, that kind of a mind, the rest of my life is going to be easier than it would be as a child uh, that walks in rebellion because they're going to bring that rebellion rebellion on up with them into life, and so their life will continually be a struggle. The, uh, attitudes don't change suddenly at 18 or at 21 or 25 or 30 or 50 or 60. Those things that these children learn at these young ages, they bring with them on up through adulthood. And I know that as he says that, that it might be well with you that you might live long on the earth. I understand also that that's not necessarily always the case, but uh, W.G. Blakely, a commentary writer, a pastor back in the late 1800s, and wrote this, and I, and I believe that it's very valid even for us today. He wrote in reference to this, he says, Where obedience to parents is found, there's usually found along with it temperance or sobriety, self-control, industry, regular ways of life, and other habits that tend toward prosperity and longevity. In Christian families, there is commonly affection, unity, prayer, mutual helpfulness, reliance on God, trust in Christ, and all that makes life sweet and wholesome. Beloved, it's just the same need today for those kinds of things to be found within the home. Again, a principle of God's word, much like those that are found in the Proverbs. Not necessarily the promise. We all know of, of uh, young children that, again, have, have lost their lives, even though they were good and godly children. And we also know of some very wicked people that live on into old age. But that doesn't lessen the reality of the principle of God's word. Along with this charge to the children, Paul speaks about now the responsibility of the parents. As the child is obedient within that home and gains from that home, the responsibility of the parents is to give that kind of home to the children. He says in verse 4, he says, And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And although Paul only mentions the fathers, I feel once again that the truth of this passage belongs to both or either one of the parents. What is it that Paul means when he says, do not provoke your children to wrath? I believe that the biggest part of this is, again, how the, the father or how the parents treat the children. Many look at the verse and, and they primarily believe that it deals with harsh treatment. So you don't want to treat your children harshly. You don't want to deal with them in anger or deal with them too severely. And although I, I believe that that is one of the issues of provoking the children, I think there's a multiple other issues that we need to look at today, particularly in Christian homes. And as concerned as I am about children being mistreated or abused, 
by mean or angry parents. Yeah, even within the Christian community, there appears to be in a lot of cases two other main extremes that uh, raising children uh, falls into. One of those is being so strict with your child, so controlling that the child has no way or room to be able to grow and mature as they should. The parents controlling every aspect of the child's life, even as they reach their mid-teens. I call it over-parenting. And I've mentioned to you in the past uh, of, of helicopter parents, always uh, hovering over the children, even as they get into young adulthood. A child is never given responsibility in this kind of a home. There's never extended freedom that allows them to be stretched and, yeah, even to fail. You know, parents, you need to allow your children, while they're under the safety net of the home, to fail, to give them responsibilities, to give them enough freedom so that as they learn these lessons, while they're at home, they have that safety net. Because if you never allow your child to fail while they're at home, you need to understand that once they get out on their own, they will definitely fail at times. But this time, mom and dad aren't going to be there to catch them. You need to help them, even in their failings, to be able to spring back, to to bounce back, to learn from those things and move forward. Why would you ever allow your child to never fail at home? Well, because he's so precious and we care about them and I love them so much. If you love them so much, then equip them for life. Don't equip them to be children all of their life. Equip them to become responsible adults as they move forward in their life. They're not given a growing and expanded sense of freedom uh, and, and with matching responsibilities in their life. You know, you're raising a handicapped child, and they're going to be that way as they enter into the world on their own. The second area of concern I see is that that's called under-parenting, and in some places, uh, no-parenting. This is found in a lot of ways, and the most deceitful of it all, and you need to really hear this because I see this in so many cases, this case of where parents become the best friend of their child. You're not called to be their best friend. You're called to be their parent, and that responsibility that needs to be there. There's no longer an ability to bring any correction because there's a fear of a broken friendship. And so, again, you're not able to give the authority or have the authority within the home that you should. It's as if the parent never really grew up and they're just trying to relive their childhood or their teen years again by being the friends with their children. Oh, certainly friends, certainly love, certainly care for them. But, beloved, there's a world of difference between trying to be the best friend of your child versus being a loving, caring, concerning parent to them. There's no true respect in that kind of relationship. There's too much of a level ground. There's no true authority. It's confusing to the child because they never grow up with that understanding. They never grow up with that training of respect for the authority that ought to be there. Children need to be taught that respect for authority. Otherwise, they'll struggle with it all of their lives. Another form is under-parenting, this no-parenting even. 
comes when parents remove all restraint from their child. They, they fail to constantly correct any kind of bad behavior. They allow their children literally to become living terrors. Some of you know of people that are that way. Some of you live in the same house of people that are that way. Where, oh, I, I would never correct them. I, I just love them too much. I, I would never bring discipline. We don't, uh, you know, we don't try to hamper or, or, or close in our child. We let them experience life to its fullest. Again, uh, a bad, bad decision because, again, the child never is able to learn. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services on Saturday evenings and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now, we want to be sure to tell you how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Simply log on to theopenword.com. Our website has today's message available for you to download. For more information about The Open Word or Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we encourage you to log on to TheOpenWord.com. Although The Open Word teachings are always available to you free of charge, if you'd like to help support this ministry, simply log on to the website TheOpenWord.com and click on the support link to make a secure donation to this teaching ministry. Your donation can be set up as a one-time or regular scheduled tax-deductible gift. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God richly bless you.